Hey, listen, have you ever been in the presence of, of, of a couple that just weren't getting along? And you happen to be invited perhaps over to their house for a barbecue or a get-together, and uh, apparently there was a knockdown drag-out before you got there, and when you got there, it, the room was like cold as ice, and maybe it was a blind day, a double day, something going on, and you just felt like this is the most uncomfortable situation I've ever been in in my life. Please get me out of here. How, the question is, how do these things happen? How do fights start? How do conflicts start? I don't know, there's probably a couple reasons. Perhaps you've been one of them. Many times, I'll be honest, it's the guy's fault. They're just, many times we're just insensitive. Like the guy asked his wife what she wanted for her birthday. She says, I want something really, really shiny and goes really, really fast from zero to 200. He goes, okay. He bought her a set of bathroom scales. <laughs> That's how these things happen. I'm just letting you know, guys. He said, how? Another guy, he didn't turn out well for him either. He said to his wife for anniversary, where do, you, where do you want to go? She goes, I want to go to one of them fancy restaurants where they make the food right in front of you. So he took her to Subway. <laughs> and then there was a the couple, they were getting ready to get married, and they were standing there before the preacher. And uh, she whispers to him as she, after she comes down the aisle, and she says, Why is there a set of golf clubs behind you. And he looked at her and he said, well, this isn't gonna take all afternoon, is it? What's the problem? You see, we got fights going on here. We have no idea why. We have conflicts. Now, I know some of you may be single here. And um, let me just say this, that the Bible tells us there are people that are called to singleness. Not everyone's called to be married. There are people that literally have been gifted to be single. I thought perhaps the Lord was going to get, has given me that gift at some point when I was, I didn't get married until I was almost 32 years old. I think it was that, something like that. I, it was just five years ago, something like that. And, and, and uh, but here's how you know if you have the gift of being single and the gift of singleness, you have absolutely no desire to ever get married. That's the answer. If you have absolutely no desire to ever get married, guess what? God's given you a gift. It's called the gift of singleness. And sometimes God will give you even that gift for a season of time. And then he's like, okay, now it's time for you to, to have another relationship or have a relationship. You know, along those lines, I got to give you one more. They, they had a research recently and they had a contest. They searched the world over trying to find the most perfect man in the world. And just recently they came to the winner's conclusion and they found the winner of the most perfect man contest was a guy by the name of Mr. Potato Head. Oh yeah, think about it. He's tan, he accessorizes himself, he's cute. And if he looks at another girl, you can rearrange his face. You know what I'm saying? It's just... Okay, enough, enough of that. I know you can't take any more. So... So here we go. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. What does that mean? Marriage should be valued by everyone. And, and say it again. We should have healthy conversations about marriage. Every one of us should have a good quality understanding and a proper understanding of what marriage should look like and needs to look like and perhaps 
does look like, hopefully, in your life. So, even so much so that even though you may not be married yourself, or maybe uh, you have been married, but you said, you know, I'm never going to, I've got that, I've done that, got the t-shirt, never going to happen again, whatever, uh, and that's not even something that you're interested in, that's fine. But we still have to honor marriage. We have to show value to it. And so much so that after all the weddings I've done, I've adopted a new approach to doing weddings now. And what I do is as we're going through the wedding ceremony, I stop at a moment in the ceremony and I tell the bride and the groom, excuse me for just a second, but I'm going to talk to everybody else here, not you. And, and what I come to realize is that the reason you go to a wedding is because you care for the people that you're going to see, get married. You're called a witness, actually. You're called witnesses or you're witnessing something called a covenant being made. And so I call those people, I just for, take a moment, and I say, now you've come here because you love this couple. Now I'm gonna ask you to make a vow with them as they've made a vow to one another. That if you see this couple struggling or you see this couple going through a hard time, that you will make a vow and a promise to them right here in their hearing that you will pick up your phone, you'll send them a text, you'll go have coffee with, coffee with them, you'll do something to salvage that marriage and to help them as best you can. Will you make that promise to this couple? And they go, I do. And the couple goes, wow. Because I believe that you need every bit of help you can get to have a great marriage. How many would say amen? So here's some statistics you might want to think about. Top five leading causes for divorce. 75% would say a lack of commitment. 60% would say I got a divorce because there was an affair that took place, extramarital relationship. 58%, another six out of 10% almost would say just too much conflict, too much arguing, bad communication skills between the two individuals. 45, almost 50% would say um, it had to do with the fact we got married too young. In fact, one out of every two people that got married before the age of 18 will probably end up in divorce statistically. That doesn't mean that has to happen, but statistically. And 36% said we got divorced because there was some financial issues going on that we could not seem to resolve and get on the same page with. Another reason why we have financial peace small group. Um, because it's really saved a lot of marriages and relationships. And you can get in that if you want just by going online here at Summit Church. And not only to mention the fact that just by getting a divorce costs about $13,000 just to do that. Then the $400 plus for child support, it's just a very costly situation not to work it out. So here's, here's what I, I, I've come to understand about relationships. It's sad, but it's the truth that so many relationships you've run into, I know I have, really is nothing more than just good friends or partners that just kind of share the house or the things together. They're, they're in a cozy business relationship. It's like they live in the same residence, but they don't even really exist as a relationship. They, they're like two ships passing in the night. They, there's really not something of value there. There's two different lives, perhaps. There's two different values, two different goals, two different visions taking place in their life. I was visiting when I was a young man, early 20s, 
I went to a, my friend's house and we were, it was a Saturday and we were going to go hang out and do some stuff. And, and so while I was waiting for him to get ready, um, his mom was sitting there at the table, uh, at the breakfast table, and she offered me breakfast. Of course, when you're single, anyone offering you food, you're going in all 100%. Absolutely. I'm at the table. And, and she's giving me some eggs and some banana muffins. And, and um, so we're just having some conversations. She said, uh, so, you know, JP, you know, you, you dating anybody? Well, no, not really, you know. But uh, she goes, well, uh, you know, why do you ever want to get married? I said, well, absolutely, yeah, I, I'd love to get married. And then she goes, why? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, because I, I don't want to be lonely, I guess. And she goes, lonely? You want to talk about lonely? And I thought to myself, this conversation just took a 90 degree turn and either she's going to give me some great coaching skills or she's going to lay something on me that I'm not sure I'm ready to walk into. And I said, um, sure, you want to talk about loneliness? I'll, she goes, I'll talk, let, me, let me talk about loneliness. She goes, you can be married and be the loneliest person in the world. She goes, just because you're single don't, doesn't mean you're lonely. She goes, let me tell you something. You know what loneliness looks like? It looks like coming home to your husband at night after you've worked a full day, and obviously they have too, and you cook meals together, you sit at the meal, you sit on the couch, you watch TV, you go to bed, you sleep five inches from the person that you're in bed with, and they haven't said one word, one word to you in three months. That's loneliness. Can I have another muffin, please? Those are really... <laughs> but you know what? I never forgot that conversation. It was filled with pain. Eventually, they would not make it. But she was so hurt. Relationships can be the greatest thing you've ever experienced, or it could be the worst. In our married small group uh, we have on Wednesday nights, we've really enjoyed that. We uh, talked about the equation of marriage, the equation of marriage. Truly, marriage has a mathematical equation, and it is this, that one plus one equals three. Now, some people live their married life thinking that one plus one equals one. And this is the type of marriage where actually the person that got married to the other person tries to make the other person turn into you. They believe that they're always right, and if the other person would just get on the page that they're on, we would have a great marriage. We would have a great relationship. And so the goal is just to get the other person to do it my way because I do it right. I know I'm not talking. You don't have to say amen. That's okay. And the result of that marriage is they're both frustrated all the time, and there's never a good outcome. Then there's some other relationships where they believe one plus one equals two. But can I say, that's not true either. Because that person is not trying to change them into you. They just want to make everything about them. I don't want you to be changed to be like me. I just want you to know that life is all about me. 
oh, we make it sound good. Wait, we are in this 50-50 relationship. He gives 50, I give 50. That's a bunch of baloney. There's no good relationship where it's 50-50. It's 100-100. You can't say, hey, listen, let's get married and, and everything. And, 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 and try just trying this before you get married and see how far it goes. And let this spouse know that what your expectations are. My expectations are 50-50. When I come home from work, I, you know, I, I would appreciate a good back rub, you know, some feet rubbing going on, a good meal, you know, a clean house, some clean clothes. And, and by the way, remember that I got a, I, I like to hunt, I like to fish, I like to be a part of the bowling, I like to go shopping, whatever it is that you like to do. And, and you need to make sure that I have my time to do all that. And you take care of the kids and you make sure uh, you meet my, you know, relational sexual needs as well, and we're going to have a great relationship. How many know that's not going to work? I mean, you, you might eke out a back rub once every year or something and be thankful, but it's not 50-50. <laughs> it's a one plus one equals three. That's the equation we work with. That you realize that God God has to be in the middle. There's no relationship without God. You've allowed God to work in you in such a way. And you've given, prior to, to you getting married, you've asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and work over me, work in me, work around me, work through me, just, you know, crush me, whatever you gotta do to get me out of me so you can fill me with you and I then will be ready for a marriage. We call that a desire to become whole. It's not a foreign concept. Don't, don't you want to be the best you that you can possibly be? Come on, somebody. That's an amen statement right there. Who wants, to be, who wants to marry someone who's got so much work to be done on them? I mean, let God do that first ahead of time, and you come on and tail in and get the benefit of this whole person you're married. What we have is, in our culture, is we got these half-empty people here and a half-empty person here thinking, if I get together with them, then they're going to fill my half, but what you have now is an empty person. And they go, well, I think his half will fill my half, and so they get married, and now they find that they've got an empty person. You've got to come into the relationship 100% whole, 100% percent whole, bring God into the middle of it, and now you have a dynamic relationship called a proper marriage. I'm getting excited about relationships. This is crazy. But that's what God wants. God wants to be right in, this, in the middle of this entire marriage. I remember when I was a young man, I was, I was at roommates, and we, you know, a bunch of guys, we all lived together, and I had one roommate, and he was about eight years older than I was, and he was about 30 about that time, and, and, um, and, and he, man, he was a, you know, a, a good guy. I mean, he had everything going on. I mean, you know, he had just a, he was a, he was a musician, and, and, and so one Saturday morning, I get up, and, and you know, when you're young, everything's about what you're going to do next, right? I mean, you live to the next moment, the next event, and I, I, I got up on Saturday morning, and he's in there whistling, Ooh, in the kitchen and making like an up down, upside down cake. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, 
I said, what, what are you, he said, I'm, I'm making a cake, man. I said, you're 30 years old. Why are you making a cake on a Saturday morning? Because I want a cake. And I'm all down in dumps and everything. He goes, what's wrong with you? I'm like, ah, oh, this is not a good day. I, he said, why? I said, because I don't have a date for tonight. He's like, what? I said, I don't know. I don't have a date tonight. You know, there's you know, nothing to do today. I just, you know, I'm all bummed out. And uh, <laughs> he stopped his little thing and he walks over to me and I will never, ever forget this conversation. He said to me, can I say, he said, JP, can I give you a little bit of advice? I said, sure. From the one making his upside down cake on a Saturday morning whistling in the kitchen, sure. He said, JP, you will never be happy with someone till you've learned to be happy without someone. <sighs> okay, okay, go ahead and make your cake. I think I'm gonna just go here and bleed to death in my bedroom while I ache in my heart after that convicting word. That, that is so true. That is so true. The, the Bible says, Paul says, I have learned, Philippians says, I've learned to be content in all things, which tells me that he naturally wasn't content. He learned how to be content. And it isn't until you learn to be content in whatever state you are in will you ever bring something to the table that will offer goodness and kindness and love and mercy and grace to the other person. Until then, you're just a needy person looking for someone to fill your needs and somebody and that person, you don't want that person. You don't want that person. You don't need that person. I need a full you, and you need a full me, and we're gonna come into this relationship, we're gonna bring God into the middle of this relationship, and we're gonna invite him to take center stage of this thing formally, and we're gonna make a three-way covenant. I'm gonna covenant with you, sweetheart, you're gonna covenant with me, God's gonna covenant with both of us, and he's gonna make a promise that cannot be broken, that his hand of mercy and favor and grace is upon us, and nothing can tear us apart, because he's right in the middle of it. Come on. Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands, that's putting God in the middle of it, is not quickly broken. You see, unity is the coming together of two completely different but whole people. Unity is two whole people coming together with God in the middle. And when that happens, unity shows up. Yeah. I'm going to have our worship team come. And can't believe this is like the shortest message I've because The reason I'm going to end it now is because I can't finish it. So I'm going to have to finish it before I can not finish it. But I want to just share this story. You know, when God comes into the marriage, into the relationship, that's when he brings with him all of the blessings of the kingdom of God. And that's when true unity begins to take place. When you invite God into this relationship and you make him the center of this relationship, then unity has now showed up. 
And let me just say that what Ephesians chapter four says, be completely humble, be completely gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love and make every effort to keep, everybody say keep, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know why you have to keep it? because you don't have to create it. It was created the moment you said I do in the presence of God and witnesses. When you said I do, I do, I will, I will, we will, God shows up. Unity steps into the picture. And now all you have to do is keep it. You don't have to work at creating unity, it's there. God brings unity into the relationship. See what, unfortunately what we have is, we have understood marriage to be, you know, this kind of, when we do this, when we even have these like, during weddings, we'll have what we call a unity candle. Pastor, we wanna do a unity candle in our wedding. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, it means that I wanna, I'm the man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my, myself. And the woman says, I'm gonna bring myself and we're gonna to come together and we're gonna, we're gonna unite our love for one another with God, he's the big candle. And then we do this, then we blow out our candles. Now I get the symbolism of it, I understand that. But actually what God says, I don't want you to blow out nothing of you. I want to be right in the middle of, of both of you. And I want us all to be on fire. I want us all to be lit. I want us all to enjoy the great plan that I have for both of you. Don't blow out your candle. You're significant. You have purpose. You have worth. You have value. Don't blow out your candle. You're somebody. I've created you to be special. Let your light shine. Arise and shine. Your light has come. But just make sure I'm in the middle of everything. When you're having a conflict, when you're having a, a misunderstanding, when you're having some situations, go get the communion little set. Go get some, some grape juice and some little crackers. Come together. My wife and I, we've done this several times. Man, just, we, you know what? Obviously, you think I'm wrong. Obviously, I think you're wrong. And you think you're right. I think I'm right. So, so, so we're, at a, we're at a standoff, right? How many? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I'm talking about. You're like. And so I said, well, let's go have communion. And let's get, let's bring God. Let's remind ourselves that God is in the middle of this thing, right? And we'll sit down and I'll give her the bread. And we'll. And I pray, I say, God, thank you that your body was broken so we could not be broken. And we'll eat the bread. And then we'll drink the cup and say, Father, thank you that you shed your blood so that we could literally live as you live and think as you think. Our sins are forgiven. And we have, don't see eye to eye, but Lord God, it's not important. We just want to remind ourselves that we're bringing you into our marriage, that you are here, you're with us, and, and we give us all to you. It's amazing how much ground you're willing to give up when you bring God into the conversation. After that, you're like, okay, whatever you want to do. And they're like, no, whatever you want to do. I'm like, well, we're, now we're fighting about who wants, 
to give up the most. But man, when God comes into the middle of the marriage, what a beautiful thing it is. My wife and I, I gotta give this testimony. This is one of my, one of my favorite stories. But when we were dating, and of course I'd, I've been praying for her for years and didn't know I was praying for her, right? I mean, when you're single, you're praying that God works on that person that he's gonna eventually match you up with, right? So I'm praying for her for years, didn't even know who she was. And she's praying for me. And, and finally we, you know, come together and we're dating and, and we're doing everything in our power to date right, to be clean, to be righteous, to be pure. I mean, when we would have like services like this at, at, at our church where they would talk about relationships, I was like on the front row like, I mean, I, I'm reading, but one of my roommates, when he's doing premarital counseling with his pastor, and I said, well, did he recommend any books to you? He goes, yeah, he gave me two books, and I went and ordered him right away, two books. I'm like, I'm not even married. I don't even have a girlfriend, but I'm reading these books about marriage. I, I want to make sure that I don't end up wrecked down the line. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power to bring all of me into this relationship, whoever this person's going to be. And when I realized it was going to be her, wow, man, what a, what a blessing. And so, so we're dating and we're, we, we set our marriage date, our wedding date. And, and, and she has family members that don't know the Lord. And we both had people in the bridal party that had known the Lord at one point, but were not walking with God at that time. And I mean, we said, well, let's just fast. This, this is prior to our wedding. Let's just fast and pray and let's go without food and just seek the Lord that in our wedding, that God will show up and people will see love in a supernatural way. I, I, I'd never heard anyone fasting before they got married, but we did. And we, we fasted, I think it was about three days and a week prior to everybody showing up. The morning of our wedding, I got up early and I took this long walk with God, just walking around the neighborhood. And I said, God, I so desperately want you to be in the middle of our relationship. And today, God, thank you for this moment I've been waiting for, for three decades. Thank you for this incredible woman that you have prepared just for me. This incredible gift that I'm about to do life with. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And God, this morning, I just pray you just show up. And I'll be honest, I was very fearful. I was very scared showing up because I had planned on doing a special. I was going to sing her a song that she didn't know about. No one knew about it. Just me and the sound man. And so I sang to her, wind beneath my wings. So she walks down, her father gives her away. I grab a microphone and I, music starts up and she's like, what's going on? This isn't part of the ceremony. And I start singing wind beneath, and I am so scared I'm gonna forget the words. I, my knees are knocking. I knew how to sing the song. I just didn't know if I could remember all the words in this traumatic moment I was having. But I got through, she's crying, I'm like, the wind 
underneath my wings. You know, and she's like, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I nailed it, man. I'm looking around. The, the groomsmen are crying. I'm like, what? You're crying? And so then we step up to the platform and we go through the ceremony and do the vows and all that stuff. And then we had this, we had communion. And we stepped over to this little bench, kneeling bench, and she dealt, knelt down, I knelt down, there's a little tray, a little juice. And I served her communion. And she served me. And I laid my hands on her back and I began to ask the Lord, Father, be in the middle of our marriage. I'm, I'm not perfect. I know she's not, but God, you are. God, would you just be in the middle of our relationship? Not telling you, the anointing, the presence of God fell upon me. I thought I was going to melt into the floor. I'm not kidding. I, I was like sobbing uncontrollable. And then she starts sobbing. Not that you have to sob for God to do that. I'm just telling you that I didn't know how to express this incredible kiss from heaven that was being made for us. And I'm just sobbing. Someone had been singing a song while we were taking communion. They finished the song, and I'm and we're just broken. I, I can't even stand up. I'm I'm so touched with the love of God. I, I hear the pastor. <laughs> I hear people in the congregation. <laughs> I'm like, this is such a holy moment. One of the most holy moments I've ever had in my life. So holy, the pastor didn't know what to do. He starts prophesying over us. Who's ever been in a wedding where the pastor's prophesying over him? I can't even remember what he said. And the Lord was saying. <laughs> we left, the hands, we're shaking the hands, people. JP, this is the most beautiful wedding I've ever been in my life. We didn't have the frills and the th- we didn't have all the fancy stuff that everybody else has. We just, it was just us. I said, what did you enjoy about it? And they said, it was as if God came down and just went like this with you two. And I got to witness it. I will never, ever forget the moment God showed up in our marriage. Thank you. Right there. That's where it all starts. Right there. You just bring you and you to the wedding without this fellow without this almighty God, good luck. I hope it works out for you. Today, all I wanna do is remind you that God has to be in the middle. Mm. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment? 
If you're married to somebody, maybe you're engaged to somebody, I want you to reach over and grab their hand. Come on. Grab their hand next to you. I just want to pray that God shows up. So Father, there's couples here that they need to readjust. You really haven't been the primary focus of their relationship. It's, it's been difficult at times. It's been very hard. If we were to be honest, we would say there's selfishness on both sides, not selflessness. If we were to be honest, we would say there was these desires and for the other person to meet all these needs that we have and, and yet, Lord, there's no way they could ever do that. We start, we're starting to understand that. There's just no way. We didn't marry God, we just married another person but Lord, we need you, God, to be in the middle of it who is perfect, that can meet all of our needs. So God, we, we pray for our spouse right here, this person that perhaps will be our spouse one day. And Lord, we're not praying for them, but we're asking you, Lord, to change us, to begin to work in me, break me down, and make me, Lord God, the greatest person that this other person has ever met. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming back into our relationship. Thank you for reminding us of the necessity of the communion table and coming back to that place of forgiveness, sincere of heart. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Even in a message and a sermon about relationships, you can come to know Jesus because my friend, that is the greatest relationship you'll ever have. Because only he can cause you to fulfill and walk in your purpose and your calling. Only he as you surrender to him, can reveal to you areas that need to be adjusted. Only he can add to your life value and substance. So if you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, today, I want to know Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I just want to pray with you right where you're sitting. But would you just raise your hand real high and say, Pastor, that's me today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand right here in our midst. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, yes. Come on, others, others, others. Come on, I want to know Jesus, yes, yes. I want to know him as my Lord, as my Savior. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen, I see those hands. Would, would you just, again, just pray with me? Would you just pray along, especially those that raise your hand? Would you say these words? But everybody, would you just join us? in this prayer of salvation, would you say it like this? Lord Jesus, today I ask you to forgive me and to come into my heart and take full control. Make me into the person 
that you created to me to be. I thank you for hearing my prayer, forgiving me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God some thanks for those people that prayed that prayer with us this morning. Amen, would you do that? Yeah. So those that raised their hand, let me just say this to you. Listen, a couple things. We have a Bible we wanna give you. We also have some material that we think will be a blessing to you as you read uh, and about, talk about your relationship with the Lord. We wanna welcome you into the body of Christ, my brother and my sister in the Lord. Amen.